I'm the kind of person that will try anything. From studying abroad to athletics to theater, at Hiram, I have those opportunities. I've learned to ask what if a lot more and look at problems in different lights and to live in the moment. My goal as a student and in life is to have no regrets. Because of Hiram, I feel like I'm ready for the spotlight. At Hiram, I'm challenged to really think for myself. I've learned that there could be 50 right answers, not just one. My professors have been tough, but also so inspiring. They've really helped me find my focus. Life lessons are what I'm going to take with me from my diverse community of coaches, professors, and students. Hiram has expanded my viewpoints and my beliefs. To me, Hiram means family. You get a chance to know everyone personally. Transfer here is one of the best choices I have ever made. I try to humanize technology. I train students through Hiram's tech and track program so that they can use these resources to work smarter. Every day I see students working to solve complex real world challenges. I truly enjoy fostering those conversations. All right, so I gotta head off. See you later. Okay, see ya. People make the difference here. I've built relationships with my professors and my peers, so for me, Hiram is a really helpful, supportive environment. I'm learning more than what's in a syllabus or a course description. I'm figuring out how to network and get involved. Helping people is my passion, so I'm studying science and healthcare, but I'm also learning a lot about who I am. By taking care of the people, the animals, and the environment here, I know I can make lives better. I came to Hiram for a degree, but I'm leaving with so much more. I am ready. Prepared. A work in progress. I am passionate. Bright. Confident. I am the new liberal arts. I am. I am. I am. Hiram. Visit Hiram.edu. Welcome to Fireside Chats, 60 minutes of stimulating conversation with some of Northeast Ohio's most interesting entrepreneurs. Get the inside story from folks who have taken the leap and who are willing to share what they've learned, the good, the bad, and the inspiring. Fireside Chats, real entrepreneurs, real stories, real learning. Fireside Chats are brought to you by the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Be sure to look for our Fireside Chat podcasts where you can listen on your own time and our dime. For more information, visit hiram.edu backslash entrepreneurship. Now, let's get chatting. Welcome everyone to our fourth edition of Fireside Chats this semester and welcome to anyone um, out there viewing us via live streaming. Um, tonight, our guest is Ryan Florio, yep. the founder and CEO of Inca Tea. Um, this is uh, Ryan's second time coming uh, to speak with us. I think the last time was probably about three years ago yep. we, were, we were talking. And he's, he's really come a long, long way from his mother's kitchen table I know, to right? 
um, a full-fledged place, but he's going to talk to you about where the idea for Inkati came from, what was his inspiration, and then his journey from there to where he is today. So everyone, let's welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like uh, was mentioned, I was here about three years ago, and it's, it's crazy to see what has like, transpired from then till now. Um, I just celebrated my five-year anniversary on the 10th of this month, so it's, you know, what they say is true. If you can make uh, your business succeed for the first five years, then hopefully from that point forward, it's, it's, it's an easier journey. But um, I had a really cool opportunity about six years ago to hike the Inca Trail with my two best friends. We did a 10-day hike from Cusco to Machu Picchu. I have a lot of health problems, so I've had two major uh, knee surgeries and my back operated on. And prior to going on my trip, my doctors told me not to do it because during that 10-day hike, um, you know, their fear is something were to happen to me physically, rescue is near impossible. There's no cell service out there. I mean, you're literally days away from being rescued by, you know, either a mule or horseback. But being from Cleveland and, and an Italian, I'm, I'm pretty uh, ambitious and driven, and I have a, a, a bit of uh, just um, adventurous in my soul, I decided to do this trip anyways. And literally the very first day on our hike, our Sherpa, over an open fire, boiled some water. He threw in purple corn, some cinnamon, cloves, apples, and pineapples, and made an ancient tea recipe called chicha morata. Being from Cleveland and Italian, I'm, a, I'm a, a pretty picky eater. I like pasta, potatoes, meat, and pizza, man, that's it. So when this guy started boiling the water and throwing purple corn in it, I looked at my two best friends and like, I'm in a world of hurt, man. If this guy's gonna be making this for the next 10 days, I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm gonna be able to survive. Cause I only brought a few, you know, Snickers bars and granola bars to get me through this 10 day trip. Um, so we're just all like, you know, laughing and snickering at each other. But literally this uh, Sherpa poured this drink into a cup and I took my first sip and absolutely fell in love with it. And I had brought those uh, water purifying tablets just in case we were gonna go to the stream and get some water. We can throw this tablet in there to kind of, you know, disinfect the water. I told the Edgar, I'm like, hey, if you can make this for us every day, you know, you're boiling this water over an open fire. I mean, it's getting all the, you know, the, the pathogens and the pathogens and stuff out of the water. This would be good to drink all day long. He ended up doing that. So we'd fill our water bottles up every day with this purple corn drink called Chichimarada. Drank it every day for the next 10 days and felt physically amazing. Better than I had been, better than I had uh, previous before any of my surgeries. And I really had no idea why. Um, but when I came back to Cleveland, I Googled purple corn just to learn more about that product. Because you always hear about food products being made with like blue corn, like blue corn chips and things of that nature, but never purple corn. The first thing that popped up on Google was a doctor at Ohio State University that has dedicated her entire career studying purple corn. And her studies over the last, back then, 22 years or so, has shown that purple corn helps with joint inflammation, diabetes and weight loss, helps prevent certain cancer cell growth, great for your cardiovascular system, has more antioxidants than any other fruit or vegetable on the market. So double the amount of blueberries and acai berries combined. It also rebuilds collagen in the skin. So after reading her studies, I quit my job, cashed in my 401k, took a second mortgage on my parents' house, and legitimately started this tea company in my parents' kitchen. Never having drink, or drank a cup of tea in my entire life. I'm not a coffee drinker. And you know, I was 39 at the time. My parents thought I was nuts, because I'm the middle child. Both of my brothers are married with kids. They have like big time careers. And here I am, working on my parents' kitchen at 39, starting a new business. You know, so I'm sure my parents were like, what the hell, right? Um, had no idea what to do. Uh, I never worked in the restaurant business or a food manufacturing business or even a wholesale business from this standpoint. You know, so I was trying to figure out the best possible way with literally $300 in my pocket to start this company. 
based on a dream and this drink I had in Peru. So, I mean, how many of you guys here want to be entrepreneurs? Any of you guys? Cool, man. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's by far the most fun journey you're ever going to go on and probably the most stressful you'll ever do as well. I mean, I had some good jobs working for a Fortune 100 companies. I worked for Groupon. I was one of the very first employees at Groupon and Living Social. So, I mean, I've worked for some high-tech companies to uh, Deutsche Bank, you know, which is a pretty boring banking job, but it's the second largest bank in the world. But having your own businessman, nothing, nothing compares to it. So, you know, I was trying to be really creative when I first started the business. Like I said, I started with $300 in my pocket, and this is prior to me taking money out of my parents' uh, uh, you know, second mortgage on their house, is just figuring out, A, how to blend tea, man. I'm not a tea drinker, so what am I going to do to start blending this tea in order to really make it taste like how I had it when I was in Peru? So I hired an herbalist. I worked with her for about six months. We met once a week. And we legitimately would get at my, go to my house, my condo, put water on the stove, boil that water, and throw purple corn into this vat and try to replicate that taste from what I had in Peru. And we did that, and like I said, it took about six months to make the Peruvian spice berry, which is based off chicharrada. And once I did that, I was able to kind of just blend my own blends after you know, working with this herbalist for six months. You know, then it came time to do packaging. When you start working with packaging companies, they have really high minimums. A lot of minimums that I couldn't afford to do. And most companies that I called didn't want to even take on the project because I was just starting off. You know, their minimums were too high and I didn't have the, the deep pockets to fill those orders. Luckily, I met a, a guy here in Cleveland who worked for a local packing company called uh, Custom um, Tap Packaging Solutions. And they loved my story. They loved the fact that I was going to start this tea company based off an adventure. And so they took a chance um, to make these boxes for me in-house in Cleveland at a price that I really couldn't pass up. You know, most of these packaging companies, they want the money up front or before they at least ship out your packages, your boxes to you. This company was willing to manufacture double the amount of boxes that I wanted to produce and half the cost and warehouse all the inventory for me for 18 months, about a year and a half. So every time I would go to their warehouse to pick up boxes, I'd write them a check and take the boxes that I need. So it really freed up a lot of cash flow for me at the beginning to help me get started. When I launched uh, February 10, 2014, it was literally my goal to be in about 50 stores in my first year. To me, that was success. You know, again, not being in the food industry, I really had no idea what the metrics success by. But I'm like, wow, if I get into 50 stores, man, that's, a, that's a lot. That's a lot more stores than I'm in right now, which was none. Um, and you know, trying to go out and sell a product that you're not used to selling and talking about was a challenge in itself. So I went to a place called Miles Market in Solon, Ohio. I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard of Miles Market. Great little place. They, they like to kind of embrace, you know, local entrepreneurs and whatnot. But, so I went there to sell this guy. I legit walked in with four boxes of tea. I put it in a basket and put cellophane around this basket. Like I was giving a guy a Christmas gift. Okay? Again, I, I, first time selling this product, I had no idea what I was doing. Walk in there, meet the, the, the category buyer for uh, Miles Market, tell them my big long story, and I'm used to sales cycles being pretty fast, like you know, getting a purchase order right then and there and closing a deal. After talking for five minutes, the guy's like, hey, like your story, your packaging's great, I'm gonna have my team try and we'll get back to you in the next two to three weeks. I walked out of there with my head lowered, devastated, trying to think, how can I reinvent my sales approach because obviously that didn't work very well. Went home, thought about a few things. Guy called me the next morning at about nine o'clock. He said, hey, our team tried it last night at our meeting. 
best team we've ever had one compared to the stores. At that point, I was like, wow, I have a winner here. And it just snowballed from that point forward. I was able to get into another small store in Lakewood, and then I got into all 24 high-end stores about a week later. So my goal of being into 50 stores in my first year in business, I was in 200 stores in the first two months. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wild and crazy. Um, kind of just backtracking a little bit, when I came across that doctor at Ohio State, it's kind of an interesting story. You know, I thought, hey, if this doctor is the world expert on purple corn, she's a published author, she has patents in her name, if I can get her to endorse my product, or even just give it her seal of approval, man, might open a lot of doors for me, because no one's ever heard of purple corn before. So during like almost 18 month process where I was developing the packaging and the blends and everything else that went into my business, I emailed this doctor or called her at least once a week just to try to get into her brain a little bit, introduce myself to her, tell her, hey, I'm starting this company with Purple Corn, she might be interested in it. Never once did she re return any of my, my correspondence. So when I had my box of tea, I legitimately drove down to Ohio State, knocked on her door, politely introduced myself to her. I think she thought I was a stalker, to be honest. Um, but we became instant best friends because it's been her dream in life to have every American try chichimarada, and she had no way to actually deliver that method to anybody. So now she had me as her delivery method, and she sits at my board of advisory right now, which is a great wealth of knowledge. So anytime she does any research or white studies on, on purple corn, I'm the first to know about that, so it's kind of cool. So, you know, starting uh, in February of 2014, um, it was kind of a, a whirlwind year. I, I was in about 350 stores my first year. Um, eight months after I started my business, I was approached by the uh, Cleveland Hopkins International Airport to open up a tea shop. Never worked in a restaurant like I told you guys before. I had no idea how to even run a, a, a tea store or a tea shop. I politely declined their offer. But even though they were big avid tea drinkers at the city of Cleveland at the airport, you know, they were adamant about me opening up a shop. Again, I politely said no. About a month into it, they came back and said, we need you here. What can we do to get you to open up a store here? Had really no money, you know, but you know, they're like, well, we'll charge you $1,000 a month in rent for a little 50 square foot, square foot kiosk. So if I'm thinking to myself, I need to be really creative in how I market my product because I don't have the funds that most traditional people do. I, I already went through $20,000 of my parents' money when I took a second mortgage on their house to buy inventory and buy more product. Like, well, if I can pay $1,000 a month in rent and build a pretty cool looking kiosk, I can get about a million eyes on that, that my brand every year just walking through that concourse. So there's no way really downside to it. I'm going to hire some people, provide some jobs to the community, and I'm going to have a million people see my brand. So to me, a $12,000 investment made a lot of sense. That next year, I did $30,000 just in online orders from people walking past my kiosk looking at my product and did about $300,000 in business. 50 square feet, which is awesome. So, fast forward to where we're at now, um, I never would imagine doing what I'm doing, to be honest with you. Um, I always thought I would just be selling tea boxes and tea bags in stores, maybe a couple restaurants here and there. Um, a lot of cool opportunities have come my way. I just shot Shark Tank down in California, or across in California this past summer, so I'll be airing this season 10, which is kind of cool. Um, I was a keynote speaker at the World Tea Expo in Las Vegas. I actually own the machine now. There's only five machines in all of North America that, that can put material inside a tea bag like that. I'm one of the guys that owned one of those machines, which is pretty cool. So now I 
Copac for other tea companies around the country who had very similar problems that I had starting my business because I mean, my co-packer in Philadelphia when I first started, his minimums, I mean, I, I did 100,000 tea bags my first time I ran any kind of production. 100,000 of these things. I thought there's no way in God's name I'm going to be able to sell 100,000 tea bags. I did 500,000 tea bags two months later, and then eight months later, I did 1.2 million tea bags in this guy. Man, it's crazy. The guy charged me seven cents per bag. That doesn't include the ingredients, doesn't include the envelope around it, that's just the actual tea bag material, and have one of his employees sit there and watch this machine kick out 85 a minute. Seven cents. When I did 1.2 million, I'm like, hey, can I get a, a cost break? He's like, no. I'm like, yeah, be kidding me. I'm like, I paid seven cents when I did 100,000. I did, man, 1.8 million tea bags in the course of a year, and I'm like, I can't get any kind of break. He's like, there's no way. I'm like, all right, don't worry. I'll save enough money to buy my own machine. That machine cost me $300,000. It was just delivered to me March of last year, so almost a year ago. So, super fascinating. I have my own 15,000 square foot warehouse now that I do all my production out of. If you guys ever want to come check out a, a cool machine that can make 85 tea bags a minute, it's pretty spectacular to see and watch. Um, I'm now the proud owner of four cafes. Um, I was just voted by USA Today the best restaurant in any airport around the country. I've eaten Wolfgang Puck, which the guy's been a uh, culinary expert for, for a millennia, it seems like. Um, and I just started my cafes three years ago, or four years ago now. And I was really the best restaurant cafe in the airport. So that's going to kind of catapult my cafe branding to a whole nother level when they announce it on the 28th in, in Las Vegas. Because, I mean, virtually almost every airport in the country is going to want to have a make a tea cafe in it now, which is kind of cool. Um, trying to think. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I mean, it's, it's, Doing so much over the last five years, it's it's been it's been a crazy journey. I mean, Shark Tank in itself was just uh, an experience that very few people have a chance to experience. Um, do you guys all watch Shark Tank? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, right? I'll tell you this: I I, I watched it every night religiously. Every night when I went to bed with my wife, and we would just like fall asleep to it. I will not watch it ever again. It's kind of sad because I know what happens like behind the scenes and how they really treat you and whatnot, but it's. It's, it's fascinating from the audition process to talking to the producers legitimately three, four times a week. And the whole process from start to finish is about three and a half months long. And they kind of pseudo-coach you a little bit. Um, every week you have to redo your 90-second opening pitch. They critique it. They rewrite it. They have you re-videotape it. We submit it that next week, and then they go over it on Friday, and then the whole process starts over again on Monday. And I did that for about 10 weeks, just my 90-second opening pitch, and refining it. Um, every week I had to give them an update on my, my sales for the week. I had to give them forecasts for the rest of the year and forecasts for 2019 based on my sales for this week. Did that every week for two and a half months. It's crazy. So when you go out there and people don't know their numbers, I have no idea how they can't know their numbers. I mean, because they drill it inside you day in and day out to make sure you know what you're talking about. Um, 60, 000, a little over 60,000 people auditioned for season 10. They flew out 175 companies. Out of the 175 companies, only 104 get the pitch to Sharks. So I feel bad for a lot of those companies that fly out there, drive out there, build these displays, you know, pre prepare for you know, two, three, four months prior to even getting out there, who don't have a chance to even pitch the Sharks, which is pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty traumatic, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I'd be pretty pissed off if it was me. 
Uh, but it's cool. I mean, you do a whole pre-pitch with all the producers and the, the casting directors and the lawyers for Sony Studios, because that's where they film it at. MGM's a part of it, ABC, obviously. And then there's a, a third-party casting company that does all of the, the production work. So you have all these lawyers in this room. There's probably 150 people in the room that you're you set up your display, you have five minutes to set up your display, and you have your 90 second pitch, and that's all you get. You walk out of that room and your, your segment producer will you know, walk to you and say, all right, you made it past this round, you'll be pitching the Sharks in three days. And that's how it works, it's pretty wild. Um, trying to think what else. Um, questions, what do you guys have questions about? I, mean, I, I like when people direct things to me, because I, mean, I, I can sit here and just spew a bunch of information to you guys, but there's something you want to know about or are or, or interested in learning more about, by all means, feel free to, free to ask. Did, did you win your, did you get the old charts? You can't tell yeah, you. Yeah, I, I can't talk about it. When, um, no, when is it airing? And that, that's, uh, sometime uh, before, before May. They okay. won't tell me until seven days before it airs. Which is kind of, which is one reason why Marcus Thomas uh, gave me a hundred thousand dollars worth of technology to kind of make sure my website wouldn't crash once we do air. Oh, can you want to explain that? because we had you and I had commented that you have a new website. So how yeah, did that come I about? Two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we we just launched it live. Uh, yeah, like last week. So. Um, I don't tell a lot of people that I was on Shark Tank. I'm, I'm not a lot of posting on social media. Um, when I do small engagements like this, I tell people because I'm, I'm sure you're not gonna. Hopefully, you don't post on you know Instagram saying like, "Hey, this guy's been on Shark Tank season 10." That probably won't air, and I'll probably be really pissed off. Um, uh, but yeah, I was I was the keynote speaker at the uh, Ohio Marketing Summit at the Ritz Carlton about six months ago, and it was in front of about a hundred different. Uh, PR agencies, marketing firms, and whatnot, and I've never spent a dime on marketing. Everything is word of mouth. I, I do in-store demonstrations all the time. I write handwrite thank you notes to everybody who orders product online for me, even to this day. And you know, I'm sitting up there in front of I, on this panel, and all these guys were just impressed that I was able to grow my business from three hundred dollars to you know seven figures, you know, four and a half years later. And they couldn't understand how I did it. And so when I got off the stage, it was like. I mean, it was like chum in the water. All these sharks came up and they're like, "Hey, um, you know, can we be your marketing, you know, your marketing firm? You know, we don't charge two thousand dollars a month retainer." I'm like, "Are you crazy? Two thousand dollars a month?" I'm like, "I don't pay any right now." And I'm doing okay. So finally, Marcus Thomas, which is they're probably one of the top three biggest PR and ad agencies in Cleveland. They have 360 employees. Uh, the owner came up to me. He's like, "Hey, I'd love to work out a deal with you." He's like, "I love your branding. I like, I like your mission." You'd be a really cool case study for us as well. You know, we can kind of show future customers of ours. Hey, if, if you dump a hundred thousand dollars into your website, uh, your 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 search AdWords, this, this, and that, we can grow your company five x, ten x, whatever the case may be. Would you be willing to do that? And of course, I'm like, yeah, anything free is great. So I've been I worked with them for about three months, just putting together, more importantly, the back end of our new website because. One of the biggest things that happens on Shark Tank is, obviously everybody goes online within that 24 hour period after it airs and orders product. And most of those websites crash and burn and people lose a ton of potential revenue. So one thing I didn't want to do is, is, is lose that revenue or at least that, that audience per se. I mean, I know I'm not gonna have enough inventory in my warehouse to fulfill all those orders. It might take me two months to, to order all that, the raw ingredients, but at least I will have captivated someone's interest and let them place their order. 
And so yeah, so we just developed a new website. It launched yeah, about seven to 10 days ago. Uh, visually speaking, I, I would have done things a little bit different. Um, and hopefully over the next couple months, we can kind of tweak some things. But on the back end, it's so robust and so fluid that no matter what happens, I'll be able to uh, keep my, my website live and running during that 24-hour uh, push. Yeah. Was it difficult to, you know, um, have like, you know, get this all approved by, you know, federal people for like, you know, the fact that you were taking a foreign product into America, or was it not so difficult? It, it, it's it's not bad, especially when you're working with brokers to, to, to bring this these ingredients inside the U.S. Um, if I were to, I mean, it took me about 18 months from conception to launching my product, and it was working every single day on figuring out packaging, how to market this product, yeah, how to source raw ingredients, um, finding co-packers to make my tea bags, and all that stuff. But it, it's, it's actually relatively easy. The hardest part is getting like non-GMO project verified. That took me 23 months. And I'm one of, one of 27 tea companies in the entire world that are non-GMO project verified. It's tough because, I mean, you, uh, believe it or not, 99% of all tea bags are genetically modified, which is so sad. Uh, and one of my main ingredients is corn most corn out there in the world is genetically modified. So it was hard for me to convince people here in the US that there are countries actually out there that don't use GMOs in, the, in, their, in their produce. You know, it's like mind blowing. It's like, yeah, I mean, Peru, the whole country doesn't use any kind of GMOs. So uh, that was a, a big hurdle that I had to overcome. What are our questions? Last time you were here, you talked about you have you applied for, or now you have a patent on a, a tea bag, which you know it's hard to think about intellectual property right. in regards to something as old and classic as a tea bag. Can yeah, you talk about sure. That? Yeah, so I filed a patent. It's, it's still patent pending. Uh, patents are uh, very strenuous and very expensive. Um, I'll talk to you more about intellectual property in a second. But so I filed two different patents. One patent allows me to. Um, kind of coat the exterior of this tea bag. So if you open up a tea bag and lay it flat on a, on a table, there's a lot of exterior space. And so my patent allows us to, to, to coat that, that tea bag. So if you wanted me to put cream, sugar, milk, honey, any kind of nutrients, minerals, vitamins on that tea bag, you can basically paint it on there. You can go into a cup of water and it can steep like a normal tea bag. You also get that added benefit of maybe having you know, honey on there and whatnot. So I mean, my goal is to, once it's uh, fully issued, maybe license that technology out to like a Lipton or something like that, because you can, you know, they have the money and the, and the manpower to make a black tea bag, but then also put cream or honey on that and offer that as a, an extra buy-in for the consumer. Uh, my second patent is making a, uh, a biodegradable tea ball. Most tea balls, if you're an avid tea drinker, they're rubber, plastic, or metal. Um, I was able to create a tea ball made from a byproduct of sugar cane that can withstand temperatures of 315 degrees, which is much higher than you need for steeping a, a black tea. Uh, and you can get multiple uses out of it before, before it starts to disintegrate. So that's my second pad. Starting a business, though, I'm going to tell you some pitfalls. Because, um, you know, I mean, people, you know, people who maybe just see me or meet me for the first time, like, wow, you're at Whole Foods, or you're in Bed Bath & Beyond, or you're at Target, or, you know, Heinen's and Giant Eagle. It's like, it's, it's not that easy. Um, I mean, one of the biggest and hardest things is, and I'm still fighting it today, I mean, I've spent probably $60,000 in legal fees fighting for my name, Inca Tea. I, I don't even own the name Inca Tea yet, which is so sad. I filed for a, a trademark back in 2013 when I was just you know, starting my business. And 
Sadly enough, the company that I was buying my purple corn from is from New Jersey. They're called Inca Foods. They're the biggest uh, provider of Peruvian foods anywhere here in the US. So I was buying all my purple corn from them. They were invoicing me Inca tea. I was writing them checks made out the Inca tea, or made from Inca tea checking account for two and a half, three years. I had no idea that they were blocking my name from being issued by the US Patent and Trademark Office. So finally, when I found out, I stopped obviously buying all my ingredients for them and spent a ton of money on lawyer fees trying to convince the US Patent and Trademark Office that, hey, there's, there's, there's no way that you can confuse my mark and my name with Inca Foods. It was a different logo. They have some tribal guy and, and different fonts and everything like that. Um, I mean, finally, I was just uh, at the end of last year in December, I was told by um, like the Supreme Court of the US Patent and Trademark Office that they're going to finally issue my trademark to me because there's no conflict of interest. There's no way of, of getting confused if you look at my name and logo compared to theirs. And the crazy thing was is when I first filed for my trademark for Inca Tea Cafe, I got that trademark in a matter of four or five months. So I was able to get the cafe trademark logo look and feel, but I wasn't able to get the actual Inca Tea one for almost six years, six and a half years. It's crazy. So, I mean, it's funny because I mean, I'm thinking, you know, everybody's like, well, let's change your name. I'm like, there's no way I'm changing my name. You know, I, I spent all this time creating a brand and an image. I mean, I'd rather just chalk this up as a learning experience and do something else. But, you know, it's, it's nice to know that I'm finally getting that uh, issue to me. I'll tell you another fun story. So, uh, a friend of mine, she was uh, living in Jersey at the time in, in Bed Bath & Beyonds. I'm sure you all guys been in Bed Bath & Beyonds. They started implementing world markets inside all these Bed Bath & Beyonds because they bought world market a couple years back. She's like, hey, you should call them and see if you can get your teas in there because they have a great tea section in world market. You know, it's all different teas from all over the world. And of course, I'm like, yeah, but these are big time players in the tea, the tea market. Like, there's no way that I can get my tea inside you know, Bed Bath & Beyond. So what the heck, I called their corporate office in Jersey just to pitch my, my, my business and idea. Talking to this guy for like 15 minutes, telling him my story, telling him about my packaging. And this is, you know, I was only doing this for about 11 months at the time. This whole big song and dance, the guy's like, hey, sorry to bust your bubble, but he's like, I'm not the category buyer for coffee and tea. You gotta talk to Jennifer Lee. And you know when you get that phone call or you, you get that response from somebody, there's no way in God's name that this guy's gonna transfer that information to Jennifer Lee, right? I mean, he's like, he's like, he's like I can tell Jennifer I even called. So he's like, give me your name and number, I'll tell her that you called, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, thanks. So hung up the phone, I'm like, there's zero chance this chick's ever gonna call me back. 45 minutes later, I get a phone call from a Jersey number, and it's Jennifer Lee. She's like, hey, so-and-so gave me your information, went to your website, love your packaging, love your story, can you send me some tea out so I can try it? And I'm very old school when it comes to business. Like I said, I write thank you notes to all my people who buy stuff online. Um, I'm like, Jennifer, how about this? Instead of me sending you a bunch of tea bags so you can make tea in your, your office, let me drive out to New Jersey, do the formalities of shaking hands and exchanging business cards, and let me make you the best cup of tea you've ever had. She's like, you would do that? I said, absolutely. Why wouldn't I do that? Six days later, I'm in New Jersey, making her the best cup of tea she's ever had. I was in 10 stores by the time I left her office. A year later, I was in 100 stores. Yeah, it's crazy. Super crazy. So, you know, and it's, it's I mean, I like it. I mean, I like the face-to-face the -face interaction when doing business dealings. I think it's just important. I mean, most people like to text and, and do emails, but I, it, it, it says a lot, especially when you're dealing with those kind of corporate entities. I mean, they want to see the man behind the mission when they're making you know, purchases on 
on a whim. I mean, I don't have a brand like a, a Tazo Tea or, or Tivana, but you know, I got a good story and I got a great packaging, and my product speaks for itself too. So she liked that. Yep. Uh, we gave you motivation to drop kind of like everything and pursue this. Um, middle child syndrome. Um, it, I wasn't happy in my career. I mean, like I say I was working for Groupon and living social for a while, and I like to challenge myself. And I don't have a medical background whatsoever, so I started selling medical devices. I was, uh, I was selling post-surgical splints for a podiatrist to help with range of motion after like uh, bunionectomies, plantar fasciitis, and stuff like that. And six months into that business, I was like, I'm like, I, I, I hated it. I hated going to the doctor's offices and, and putting on a song and dance and being a guy that I'm not. You know, I mean, it, it's it's for some people and people do really well in that industry, but it's. In my eyes, the Boys and Girls Club of America. If you don't sit a, a fit a certain mold, you're not going to do very well. And I was sitting in the parking lot, and, and I was trying to convince myself to go in there and talk to this doctor. And went in there, talked to this lady. I'm driving on 480. I'm like, wow, it'd be a lot easier to drive off this bridge on 480 there. I'm like, I'm like, my life's horrible, like right now at that point in time. And so my friends were like, hey, let's go to Peru and hike the trail for 10 days. And I'm like, this, this couldn't have found a better time. When I came back to Cleveland, I, I just knew, like, there's something told me that I needed to start this. And when the, it's funny, because uh, my old website, there was a picture of me next to Edgar the very first time this guy's making this concoction. And I told my friends later that day, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to start a tea company. And they're, of course, with uh, swear words, like, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm like, only you would think about starting a tea company after having some guy make some corn over an open fire. And it was my goal to do bottle tea at first. When I started doing research on bottling a product, yeah, an RTD, which means ready to drink type beverage in the US, it's so complicated and difficult. And the minimums are super high. The bottles are expensive. And finding a, a bottling line and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a buddy of mine's like, hey, I know a girl who owns a little tea company in, in Northeast Ohio. You know, maybe she can sit down with you and teach you how to blend teas. And that's when I hired that herbalist to help me learn how to blend teas. I mean, I, I honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think I'm here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought, you know, six years ago when I hiked the Inca Trail, I'd be here today. There's no way. But I've never been happier in my entire life. I make less money than I ever have in my entire life. But I mean, every day is like something new and exciting, man. It really is, and it's fun to see your business kind of just, you know, catapult and, and kind of take life of itself. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. We just started doing kombucha. I don't know if you guys drink kombucha or heard of kombucha. Uh, you know, that's going well. I sell in all the stores now as well. Um, you know, but the, the cafes are kind of a really cool extension to what we're doing. Where are your cafes at? I have two in the airport. So I have one in Concourse B and one in Concourse C. Uh, Build one out in Slavic Village, and I have one in Pinecrest. You guys heard of Pinecrest yet? Yeah. Yeah? It, uh, it's a new outdoor mall right on right Beachwood. <coughs> yeah, that was really Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's a cool spot. So. Uh, that one will be open in about three weeks. And for short time, you said <coughs> if you were to air, would it be May, you said? Yeah, at, well, at the end of the, the uh, season ends in May. Okay. So the only problem with Shark Tank, even though they had 104 people pitch the sharks, only 88 companies air because they have 22 episodes. I mean, I think I'm going to air because I, I mean, I was battling in the tank for about an hour. Most people are in there for about 20 minutes. It's quick. I mean, it goes so fast. I mean, I was arguing with Mr. Wonderful. I mean, I was arguing with um, uh, um, Mark Cuban and I were going at it for a long time. 
So, I mean, it's going to make for a good television. <laughs> it's going to make for a really good television. So, well, Robert, did you be in soft? No, Robert wasn't there. He wasn't? No, he I had. Soft, yeah, know? I had Cuban, Damon John, uh, Kevin O'Leary. Um, I had Matt Higgins. He's, he's a guest shark. He's one of the owners of the Miami Dolphins. Total Jack. Like, yeah. loser, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I had Lori Grenier. Again, she was the, she was the worst, and she's like, I, she's like, I, she's like, I, uh, I don't like your packaging. She's the QVC. Yeah. Lady. That's like, that's how she always says it too. Some corny. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, what do you like about it? She's like, well, it doesn't look like anything else on the team and the, the shelves. I'm like, yeah, that's my point. That's why I did it. I'm like, I'm like, if you look in any tea aisle, all the tea boxes look the same. I'm like, mine sticks out. And I'm like, I went awards all over the all over the country on this thing. She's like, yeah, I, I don't like it. And for those reasons, I'm out. I'm like, yeah, you're. I'm like, next. Oh yeah, it was, it was great. And I walked out there, and I'm like, yeah, Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, City of Champions. Legitimately, I wasn't even finished with my my 90 second intro. Mark Cuban's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, you can never use City of Champions again. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I own that trademark. He's like, never say that again. I was like, what? Yeah, I was like, whatever. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, that. that, that so my first 30 seconds into the tank, that's how it started, man. So I was like, let's go, man. I'm ready to battle. Was it hard for you to keep your composure, like when people, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of poke, poke at I, mean, I know that, you know, it's kind of a job just to, you know, kind of rip apart your idea. Yeah. But was it, like, hard to, you know, keep your cool? Because, like, you know, some of the things I'm sure that they say to you can kind of get into your skin because, you know, it can be kind of offensive, too, that, you know, for someone to basically tell you that the packaging is not good. Yeah, it, it, I'll tell you, it, it's, uh... If I had to start my company that, you know, that last year, I probably would have taken a lot of offense to it. One good thing about the position I'm in is I don't need money. You know, having an investor like a shark on my team would have been great just for the exposure and, and the, the network they have. But yeah, I went in there. I went in there. I went in there ready to make a deal happen. You know, I mean, I can negotiate any kind of terms that I wanted to because I own the company. But you know, I mean, Matt Higgins, he's like, um, I'm not impressed with your growth. Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're not impressed? I'm like, did you not hear my story? I started off with 300 bucks in my pocket four and a half years ago, and I'm, I'm going to do 1.4 this year. I'm going to do three million next year. And he's like, yeah, it's not impressive. But, but here's a guy who's been spoon-fed his entire life and has never really worked that hard. I mean, you can just tell the air of this guy was just—it was the room was filled. I mean, I couldn't even breathe in the room when this guy walked in there. Um, yeah, you know, and I just, I just, I just turn it off. You know, what he says is not going to bother me. It's not going to hinder my growth. I mean, it's actually kind of adds fuel to the fire, because it's, it's funny. You know, I mean, once this thing comes out on you know, USA Today on the 28th, um, the number one restaurant in any airport around the country, I beat Wolfgang Puck. It's gonna be funny to see what's. I mean, I make sure I, on the, you know, uh, you know, add the sharks on my posts. You know, on, on Instagram, like at Lori Grenier. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary, yeah. If I wasn't being videotaped here, I'd have a lot more explicit words for you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel about them. Um, that was, it was, I mean, I would say the best experience I've ever had in my entire life. Literally the best experience ever. So you started out with the, like the original, the, the, uh, the spice berry, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I started off with four blends. I had the black tea, the peach, the spice berry, and the mango. Um, I get a lot of college students to help me out as interns. Um, I had a, a guy from Cleveland State and Ohio State develop the green tea blend, and a girl from Cleveland State actually name it. Uh, a girl from Kent State did all my packaging for me. So she was a senior at Kent State, and she still, I mean, she still works for me today. Um, 
everything you see here from the tins she created the tins the boxes the, the little envelopes that tea bags go into um, and the girl's great so I, I mean I'm, I'm in my mid-40s I mean I know I'm not that cool and I don't know like the, the latest coolest things out there so it's nice to get like young people involved in my business because they know a lot more than I do in some cases so um, it's cool like that yeah uh, this summer, I was actually fortunate to go out to Cusco, Machu Picchu. Nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And they, um, they emphasize potatoes a lot, but they yep. also have, um, I had, like, I had a lot of tea. I remember one morning waking up pretty sick, and the gentleman from about the, like, the little place I was staying at gave me a tea that helped my stomach feel better, and it, and it worked. Was it coca tea? Uh, I have it in my bag. I think it was coca tea, yeah. <laughs> um, I had, like, I just brought a bunch back. But, uh, yeah, do you, do you, like, advertise, um, like, not necessarily, like, health benefits with your tea, but just, like, stress relieving or any of those kind of things? Yeah, you yeah, you uh, I mean, it, this was a, an argument I had with, with, uh, with, uh, Mark Cuban. I mean, he called me. He called me a flat-out liar. I mean, he's like, "You lie to your customers. You, you know, you're you're baiting and switching them, all this stuff." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" So, like, on my box here, I have like all the health benefits of purple corn. And these right. are all legit studies done by a doctor at Ohio State. And you know, he couldn't get past the fact that I have it on my box. He's like, "The FDA would never approve that." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but I'm like, I, I'm protected because I say that these claims have not been, you know." approved by the FDA, they're not intended to cure, prevent, or treat any kind of disease that, that I have in my box. Um, so it, it's, very, it's very sticky to talk about any kind of thing when it comes to selling a product. Um, unless you're a supplement. I mean, if you're a supplement, there's a lot of gray area that you can talk about on packaging. But to become a supplement, it's really hard to get approved. So, but I mean, I mean, most people know, like, I mean, I mean, cinnamon and cloves is great for your digestive di digestive tract. So if you know what's actually in the different uh, teas by the ingredients, I mean, you can kind of dissect it and realize what it's good for. I mean, chamomile is great to help you relax and, and put you to sleep. So. So one of our viewers from afar um, texted in and wanted uh, asked about that. Your tea is non-GMO, but have you considered? Um, also getting doing it as organic tea yeah I have it's 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 one of those things where my ingredients are organic um, the problem is it's very expensive to become organic certified uh, so I'm in the process now of making my sheen organic certified which is another you know six thousand dollar a year expense that I, I'd rather not spend but if I have an organic tea product but I run it through a non-organic machine then it's not organic certified. So it's kind of like what comes first, the cart or the horse. So now that I have this machine, I'm going to get it organic certified. Uh, and then I'll probably, in 2019, maybe 20, I'll, I'll do my teas organic certified as well. Probably kosher um, as well. I, I meet with a lot of rabbis in the Cleveland area. And it's, again, it's just, it's a money thing. What makes sense today? How are you able to be so confident? Like when you go and you say, like you're gonna try the best tea you've ever had, or or something like that. Like, you know, are you ever worried? Like maybe, in her opinion, it won't be. Yeah. Like how are you? You know, because there's like a lot of stress going on here. I feel like with figuring out, getting your name down, and meet with some of these people too. So I don't know how you how do you stay so you know confident with that. I'm I'm also a realist. I realize what you, what I like, you might not like. You know, and I have enough diversity here that I, I can I can. Probably guarantee if you're a tea drinker, you're gonna like at least one of these these blends. And um, 
I said, I'm not a huge tea drinker myself. I never have been. Um, but when I taste a cup of tea, nine times out of ten, they're pretty bland. You know, the profile is not robust. You know, it just, you can't really pick out the different notes on there. It, you know, my, my green tea with ginger and coconut, I mean, you get a nice aroma of, of the coconut, and it also finishes with coconut. My black tea, most black teas are really just harsh. They're, they're acidic. You know, this is the smoothest black tea you'll ever drink. There's no bitterness at all whatsoever, and you get, you know, 45 cups out of a box. So I play with my teas enough to know how to make the best cup of tea. If you were to brew this tea and I brewed it, it would taste completely different. Even though I tell you right here, you know, use eight to 10 ounces, 212 degrees for four to five minutes, you're probably not gonna listen to this, and you're gonna make it how you want, but the way I made my, my tea today, which I made the spice berry for you guys to try, yeah, it's, it's the best way to make the spice berry, because I've made it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. In my first year of business, I probably did 160 demos in different grocery stores, that's a lot. It's 160 days of demos, and some days I would do three demos in one day. But yeah, I mean, I, it sucks sometimes when people would email me, like, hey, your green tea was the worst thing I've ever had. And it's like, all right, well, I mean, your taste buds suck. <laughs> I mean, clearly there's something wrong with you. But then, you know, but I, I, like I said, but I'm a realist. I, I know that you might not like that, and I'll, I, I always offer to give the person money back. I'm like, hey, give that tea to somebody else. I don't care where you bought it. I'll either refund you your money or tell me, I'll, I'll send you another box, you know, at my cost mm -hmm. so you can try it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a stress case every day. I mean, I, I have 20 employees right now. I'm going to probably, in the next 30 days, I'm going to have 65 employees. Yeah, I mean, it's stressful making sure that they get paid every, every week, making sure that, you know, they're happy and they do a good job for me. And there's a lot of eyes on a business like this, especially when you're in the airport, I mean, I have over three and a half million people walk past my, my, my store every year. It's a lot of people looking at your store. And most people like to complain. It's just in people's nature, man. Right. They, the service is slow, I mean, this is that. I mean, you should see some of the emails I get. I mean, I, I literally had an email from a guy saying there's cocaine in his tea bag. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. And you got Jeff Heinen involved, who owns Heinen's, and and when I first started, I, I legitimately didn't put cocaine in it, just so you know. But I legitimately, I put, I put purple corn kernels in there. So these kernels right here, I would literally put like two or three kernels in each bag. So people knew that it was made from purple corn. <clears throat> and when those kernels break open, they're, they're white powder. It's, it's the craziest thing. And so I'm like, I'm like, sir, I guarantee you there's no I'm like, if there was, I wouldn't be selling. I mean, I wouldn't be poor right now. I'm not selling, you know, cocaine in my tea bags. But, but it, was, it was a huge issue. And I, had to, you know, I had to jump through a lot of hoops to make sure you know, the Heinz brothers were okay with my tea and, and verify, like, hey, like, you break over this kernel, it's white. You know, so I you know, ended up like a year and a half into my business. I got rid of the kernels because it added a lot of extra weight. And um, you know, I was able to subdue the actual cob itself, which has all the nutrient values. So you talked about the right way to make a cup of tea. Yeah. So some people think that microwaving the water is the way to go. Are you boil the water or microwave the water? I'm a whatever's convenient for you kind of guy. Um, I, I do both still to this day. And if I'm in a rush, I'll just throw a cup in the, the microwave and do it. But I, mean, I also have the craziest teapots you've ever seen. You know, so it depends on how much time I have or my wife has. Yeah, and we'll make that cup of tea. And how long does it have to steep? It all depends. 
Um, the black tea I do for about three minutes, the peach tea I do for about five, chamomile as long as you want, spice berry five, the green tea four, and the mango, two hours. I mean, I, I really steep it two hours. I, I do, yeah. I mean, but I, I don't I, I don't like hot teas. I just don't like hot drinks unless it's hot chocolate. So I make iced tea every day, and well, I'll I'll make a big vat of my mango tea, and I'll let it sit on my counter for two hours, and just get all the flavor profile out of those tea bags. And about you know two three hours later, then it's kind of room temperature, and I put it in the refrigerator, and I have a gallon of tea for the next couple of days. More questions? Yep. Are you gonna try to? Uh, I know you ship. I looked on your website. You try to ship out things uh, or uh, ship out your products yep. to uh, certain places around the state. Yep. Are you gonna try to make it to where you know you can go to every state, or has that been done already? Oh, I've I've already shipped to every state, and I've shipped to 15 countries so far. Yeah. So it's. I mean, my 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 my. My web business is such a small part of my business, which I I want to I want to grow it. I mean. You know, people at Marcus Thomas think I can do, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year on an online sale, which to me would be great. Because their, their margins are so much better. I don't have to deal with the distributors, which are a pain in the butt to work with. I mean, there's, you know, when I sell this at a grocery store, I'm selling to a distributor who's selling to the grocery store, and the grocery store is selling to the end consumer. I mean, there's so many people's hands in that right there. I mean, I, I, I legitimately make a dollar in every box that I sell. This box may last in your cupboard for two months. I mean, but when I, you know, my kombucha, it's a bottle, 12 ounces, when you buy that bottle of kombucha, I make a dollar, but you drink that bottle in one sitting. So you only drink a bottle a day. You know, if you drink a bottle a day, that's seven bucks I made from you, you buy this, I'm gonna make a buck from you in two months. So, you know, this is like a necessary thing for me to kind of enter the market, but it, it, this is, this is, the lowest concern right now as far as my, my product growth and my business growth strategy. Um, I did a thing where for Goldman Sachs this past year, it's called 10,000 Small Businesses with Goldman Sachs. And it's cool, they, can, they really teach you what you don't know about your business. And I mean, everybody in that class, we all, we all felt dumb. And I'm with guys that are doing $50 million a year in sales, and even these guys feel like they have no idea how to run their business, because when they sit you down and tell you, what you're doing wrong, it's like, wow, yeah, like, I, there's a lot I don't know about my own company. So but now I know where my money's coming from, which is not, not this, it's, it's the cafes. More questions? So you mentioned the kombucha. So yep. are you making that yourself and bottling it at your facility, or are you I'm, sourcing that out? I, I actually licensed my name out to a company that makes kombucha here locally. So they have to buy the ingredients from me. Um, I have the final say-so on anything they, that, that they do as far as their branding standpoint, and they pay me royalties on every bottle that's sold. Yeah, so I just collect, I, I don't do anything, I collect money, which is the best way to do business. I recommend it to everybody. I call the mailbox money, this comes every month. And they're buying the, the raw material from you. Yeah. And then you get it. Royalty back on the product. Yeah, so I'm getting them in the front and the back end. It's great. So, what's the plan after Pinecrest uh, opens? Um, I'll be in ten more airports in the next two years. Um, I just met with a, a big coffee company here in Cleveland. They're called Caruso Coffee. Most people don't know them, but they do fifty million dollars a year in sales. They're huge. Um, 
I'm with, met with the owners today. They're my age, and they uh, and they want to co-brand cafes in every airport. They're like, hey, we can do 100 airports in the next two or three years. Let's do it. It's like absolutely. But I mean, I'm gonna talk. I'm I'm personally talks with about 10 airports right now. Which which I think, especially after February 28th when they announced that I was the best restaurant cafe in the airport, I I know. Yeah, I mean, they'll all they'll all happen. Well, and I have one more. So yeah, since please, yeah. the there is this health aspect to the tea and the, mm -hmm. the non-GMO and and that um, and superfood and antioxidant, I see that all there in your on your um, page. I mean, Cleveland, I wouldn't say is a big center for healthy living. Yes. Right. We're known for our pierogies and our. Oh yeah. Uh, I live in Parma, so I know that yeah. very well. <laughs> so, what about going to other cities where there is a much bigger healthy eating, healthy lifestyle uh, movement? Um, do you see yourself trying to get more traction in places like that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I mean, yeah, if I were to go out to you know, Denver, Boulder, you know, anywhere on the West Coast, from Seattle down to you know, San Diego, it's everybody's healthy, everybody's active. They all they all they live, eat, and drink this every day. Um, you know, I have that old philosophy: like if, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And even though Cleveland's not the hub for healthy lifestyles mm -hmm. per se, it's it's slowly starting to move in that direction. And there's a, there's a lot of local purveyors that are making healthy food products that are, are successful and, and they keep growing year over year. I mean, I, I sell my tea in you know, Bed Bath & Beyonds in, in 18 states now, I think it is, California to New York. Um, if I had an unlimited checkbook, I would probably, I would focus my time more out in those areas, but it's, it's hard. You know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still a one-man band. I do everything myself. Um, I have good employees that work for me and that I trust, but, you know, you know, I, I wasn't born with, uh, you know, I wasn't a part of the Lucky Sperm Club. You know, both my parents are super middle class people. Uh, never took a penny from my parents growing up. You know, I paid for my own college education, bought all my own cars, and, you know, the, the first time I took a, a check from my dad for almost $20,000, I was in his car, like, crying like a little kid, because I knew that the equity that he bu they built their house, that's, that's their retirement fund, you know, and if I, I mean, $20,000 now, it's not a lot of money, but then it was. Like, I mean, I could be ruining my parents' future here if I can't pay them back. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've taken money out of their house three times now. And every time I keep paying them back, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough not having money. But when you create a product and a brand that people like, getting money is easy now. I mean, I could raise a million dollars probably in a month if I needed to. But I, also, but I also work seven days a week. I mean, there, there's a lot of trade-offs, you know. Seven days a week, if I go on vacation, I take a month off. I always take a month off every year. I work, I mean, I'm working now, I'm probably going back to my warehouse, and I'm co-packing for a company in, uh, in Oregon right now. I'm doing 100,000 tea bags for this girl in Oregon. And every time that machine goes, I'm making five cents. I, I sit there and count it, at, you know, cha-ching, 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 and it, you know, hopefully the machine's paid off here in the next year or two. It was the sacrifices that you have to do in order to be successful. Have you ever thought about hiring someone to help you out with, uh, you know, the business side of everything to make sure everything you know, smoothly and stuff? Or yeah, it, 
Yeah, I think about it every day, to be honest with you, but it's, it's I don't have kids yet, but I'm sure if, if any of you have kids or whatever, I mean, it's like giving your baby off to somebody and trusting that person. I, I have a, I, I'm, uh, I'm a control freak, you know, it's, 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 it's true. I mean, I, I mean, I have the best people that work in my cafes. I, I hired a girl, but she was 23 years old. I legit found her on, on sounds kind of creepy, but I, I found her on Craigslist. Um, <laughs> you know, right? And she emailed me. She's like, hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm going to use you for about two or three months to work at the airport because I want to get a job working for Delta so I can fly for free. She's a photographer. And you know, once I get, once I get my, my flight privileges with Delta, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm like, hey, that's cool because I've literally been doing this now for two months by myself, 14 hours a day working at the airport. I'm like, I need help. Four years later, the girl's still with me. Um, and she's 27 now, but I gave her 40% ownership in my, my new cafe. There's a 27-year-old girl who, you know, owns 40% of a, a, you know, of a seven-figure cafe at the airport. No college education, hard worker, trust her with my life, you know, and, and she owns a little bit of Pinecrest and a little bit of my cafe in Sloppy Village just because I feel indebted to her because she's grown my business from a cafe standpoint considerably. But it, it, running a cafe is different than running a brand. It's so different. But yeah, but I, I, like I said, I have that girl that went to Kent State. She does all she does all my marketing still. Um, so I, I hire good people that I trust. But it's just the day to day operation. I don't, I'm not. I'm afraid to let that go right now. Let's do that well. My wife will leave me. I'm sure. Well, I think they're all probably here to have a yeah, you want to try some tea. Guys? So yeah. why don't we give Ryan a big yeah. and thank him very you. much, and then go try his tea, and you can chat with him one on one if you want. So. Yes, yeah, so I, I just made the spice berry today, guys. This is what I had on my my hike. It's what they call chicharrada in Peru. That's cinnamon, cloves, apples, pineapples, some elderberries, some hibiscus. Obviously, the purple corn for the purple color. Definitely a good drink during this uh, cold weather. Yeah, honestly, if any of you guys are, you're welcome. If any, if any of you guys are starting your businesses, man, honestly, feel free to reach out to me, email me. Thank you. Very much. I, I love helping uh, future entrepreneurs. Do you have a card? I, I don't, but if you just email me on my website, I'm the only person that checks the email. Okay.